Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Rose Bower this morning. We're going to start by praising the Lord in worship and singing Worthy of Worship. Oh 
Welcome to Rosebar. I hope this morning you can say how great thou art, our God. Um, it's so great to be able to build God's house this morning. We welcome you. We're thankful for you here. If you're visiting with us today, we ask you to take one of the little cards in the pew in front of you. Fill that out if there is one, we hope. Um, if you could fill that out for us, put it either in the offering plate or in the little box out front. We'd appreciate it just so we can know a little bit more about you. Um, but man, it's beautiful outside. No better place to come worship God this morning. I'm glad all y'all are here. Um, for the month of July, we've been looking at the 
Psalms 95, 1 through 3. I'm going to read that this month. It says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for allowing us to come in your house, Father, this morning as we worship you um, in song, Father. Um, I just pray that as we continue, the worship team here um, leads us, that we'll open up our hearts and minds, Father, um, to just give you honor and glory that you deserve um, with our voices and song. Uh, but, Father, also as we come, clear all the, the troubles of the world and things going on around us out of our minds as, as um, Andrew brings our message this morning, Father, that, that we'll take in the message. Um, I just ask you to be with him. Um, just let him focus on the message that you prepared for him this morning, Father, that, that we need to hear. Um, when we take it and apply it to our lives, use it for honor and glory. We ask, Father, for anyone here that's never accepted you as their Savior to die, today will be the day, Father, um, for it's everlasting too late. Um, we ask for forgiveness where we fail you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're talking about our last song in practice, the last song we're singing today, the invitation song. And it, to sum it up in just a few words, it's saying, come to know Jesus before it's too late, before your deathbed. And I was thinking about that as it relates to all these songs. It's like, why does that matter? Because when we come to know Christ now, we get to live our whole lives with him. We get to rest in his peace and his joy and rejoice in the relationship we have with him. And all these songs we're about to sing are about um, rejoicing in our relationship with Christ, resting in the peace we have with God and just celebrating our hope for the present and our hope for eternity. So we would like to invite you to stand and sing with us and just rejoice in that together.
time the children come forward and head off to Children's Church, we'll worship with one more song.
as we stand here in your presence and as we listen to your word being preached, God, that you would set our hearts free, you would set them free from distraction, Lord, free from, from thinking of our selfish desires, God, that they would be free to just rest our eyes and our hearts and our minds on you, Lord, that we would see you so clearly through the word that is preached today, Lord. We pray your blessing on Andrew as he comes forward today, God, that you would be with him, Lord, you would speak through him to each and every one of our hearts, God, and that we would take that with us as we leave this place today. In my name I pray. Good morning, Rosebauer Baptist Church. Uh, always great to be with you, whether it's just me in the pew or being able to come up here and speak. Just always enjoy being here at Rosebauer. Um, I want to start off by saying uh, thank you to Brother Justin for inviting me to come up and speak. Um, but one of the things I did not think through when he asked me, he said, Andrew, I know you're going to have a busy July. Everybody's got busy Julys. Do you have any week that works for you? And I said, uh, I think I can do the 23rd. I didn't realize that meant I was going to be batting third behind Elijah and Jesse, and this is a very uncomfortable position to be in, I'll tell you what, but I've been blessed by, by both of those men over the last two weeks, excited to hear what, what God um, speaks through Elijah next week as well, um, but be praying for Brother Justin and his family while they're out on the sabbatical, you know, want to hopefully see them come back refreshed, recharged, rejuvenated, uh, but one thing I promise you is he's going to be ready to go, no matter what it is, he's going to be ready to go. Um, going to be doing something a little different than we have the last couple of weeks here. Um, Elijah and Brother Jesse stuck with the, the sermon series we've had of well, the daily Bible reading we're doing and then preaching through that. Um, Brother Justin said, I could either do that or preach what God laid on my heart, and I felt God laid on my heart something a little outside of the reading. So today I'm going to be um, speaking on prayer. We're going to be talking about uh, prayer. Growing up the son of a Baptist preacher, I saw my dad constantly working on sermons. You know, you had a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, and a Wednesday night, add in the revivals, add in the special speaking that he was doing, funerals, whatever it is. Very, very privileged and honored to be able to have seen him in his office at the computer, at the kitchen table with his Bible, in the recliner praying, whatever it is, always getting ready for a sermon. So as a kid growing up in that house, the question we're always asking him, you know, Dad, what are you preaching on this week? Hey, Dad, what's your message going to be on? Uh, and he would tell us, and then my mom jokingly would always say, for it or against it? So he'd say, I'm going to preach on sin. For it or against it? And that one, we hope he's against it, right? Uh, my parents couldn't be with us today. I'm hoping they're watching on Facebook. So mom, if you are, we are preaching pro-prayer. I take a very strong, pro-firm prayer stance, all right? I think most of us here at the church would. Um, prayer is important. Uh, it's important for believers especially. The Bible mentions the word prayer or the act of praying about 550 times. Depends on what translation you're using. Um, there are over 650 prayers recorded in Scripture. Jesus is recorded praying 25 times. You hear that and think, well, out of 650, 25 is not a lot. He's only recorded doing about 35 miracles. 35 miracles and 25 prayers. 25 prayers is a pretty good amount for the, the small snippet we have of Jesus' ministry in the Bible. Um, David wrote 50 different psalms of prayer. There was a study conducted 
in the early 2000s um, by a group looking at church literature. They were looking at Team Kids, Awana, VBS, Sunday School literature, whatever it was, and they saw that the three most common topics taught in the Southern Baptist Church were sin, prayer, and Jesus. And I can tell you, add a little discipleship, a little fellowship, and a little evangelism, we got the Baptist Church ready to roll right there, but sin, prayer, and Jesus. So prayer is important. Um, I think everybody here is going to agree to that. We're, we're seeing, we want to improve our prayer lives. We want to teach our children to pray. Uh, there's a story that's told about this family that said, you know what, we got a little girl, she's, she was about eight at the time. Hey, it's time we start really showing her the importance of prayer, that prayer is more personal than just the recited prayer. She was doing the, you know, now I lay me down to sleep and things like that. So mom and dad said, okay, it's time that we start teaching her how to pray. So they, they worked on her, uh, worked with her some on, you know, you can ask God for things, you can pray for blessings for people, you can say thank you to God. And she kept working on it, you know, going to bed and praying, before her meals and praying, before she went to school and praying. And finally they were taking a trip, they were going to go visit grandma. Uh, so they went to see grandma, it was time to eat, and they said, hey, we're going to let, you know, or she's going to lead prayer today for, for dinner. And the little girl said, God, I thank you for today. God, we thank you for the blessings you give us. God, I thank you for grandma. God, I thank you for this food. I thank you for our time together. Amen. And mom and dad are just beaming. They were so proud of her. She's praying here in front of grandma. And that night they went to bed and mom was be going to, to pray with her little girl. And she said, hey, I know we're here at grandma's and things can be a little scary. So tonight in your prayer, you know, remember you can pray for things other than just thankfulness. You can say thankfulness. You can pray blessings for people, and you can ask God for things. So if you're scared here at Grandma's or not at home, you know, you can pray that God would help you be brave. The little girl goes, okay. So she starts her prayer, and she says, God, thank you for today and letting us get to Grandma's. God, I pray for blessings for my family. And then she's getting to the third part, you know, things you want, and she just scream at the top of her lungs, and God, help me get that pink Barbie bicycle we saw at Walmart. <laughs> and her mom was startled and said, God can hear you. You don't have to yell. She said, I know, but grandma's in the room next door, and I don't know if she has hearing aids in or not, right? <laughs> For those of you who know my kids and their grandma, I'd relate to this story. Uh, prayer's important. I'm not going to be talking about name it and claim it prayer like that little girl, but we're going to be talking about three different aspects that I believe are, are important for prayer. We're going to look at the purpose, the practice, and the power. The purpose, the practice, and the power of prayer. For the purpose of prayer, if we were to all take a field trip together and walk across the breezeway here into the Sunday school room, go upstairs to where children's church is going on right now, and thank you, God, for all those who serve here in our children's ministry. It's incredible to see the growth that's coming through these kids. Lila coming down with her little drawings that she's been coloring on, but the fact that she can tell me what the lesson was, it is incredible, and I appreciate all of you for what you do there. But if we were to go over to children's church today and say to the kids there, what is the purpose of prayer? we are probably going to get an answer, something along the lines of to talk to God, to talk to God. And that's exactly right. Prayer is how we communicate with God. There's a lot of different ways God communicates with us as believers. You have sermons, and I hope that God is using me today to fulfill his word for you all to hear. But you have sermons where we can, we can hear the word presented to us. You have worship songs, really appreciate our praise team, everything they do. There's so many times where it feels like whenever I've been able to come up here, hey, we've already had church, there's no need for me to get up here and speak. But the worship songs can, can really hit us and, and affect our hearts. You have God's written word, we have that for him to communicate with us. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us as believers to help guide us and direct us in the way that God would have us to go. You also have creation itself, 
Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Paraphrased, Paul saying, creation itself is enough for us to know that there is a creator. God speaks to us through His creation. There's plenty and plenty of ways that God can speak to us. But if we were to look at the flip side of that, how do we as believers or people here on earth, talk to God? How do we talk to God? There's lots of things we can do in the church. We can offer, you know, our, our offering, our tithes and offerings. We can go and be the hands and feet of Jesus in the lost and dying world in the community. But how do we actually talk to God? The answer there is, is prayer. Philippians 4, verse 6 says, Don't be anxious about anything but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Here we see prayer is the vehicle by which we take our petitions to God. Prayer is how we as believers communicate with God in heaven, a holy God in heaven. Psalms 4 verse 1, the psalmist requests that God hear my prayer. Psalm 66, 19, but truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. The books of Job and Jonah, when the men are in despair, and they decide to call out, they call out to God in prayer. There's plenty of different ways we can communicate, that God communicates with us, but if I asked again, how do we effectively communicate with God? The answer is prayer. And the great thing about prayer is there's many ways we can do that. You have verbal spoken prayer. We see that here in the church whenever we, you know, Elijah here as we ended the, the song service, praying here for the church. We do that in our Sunday school classes. We do that at meals with our families, I would hope. Verbal prayer. You have unspoken prayer, the prayer that you pray inside your heart and inside your mind. That's between you and God alone. There are plenty of people out there who journal their prayers. That's not for me. I have horrible penmanship, so if I went back to read it, I wouldn't know what it was. But I know plenty of people who can journal it, and then they can come back, and they can see what they were praying to God for at that time, at that particular moment, and, and be reminded or be able to see how God acted through that, through that prayer. But the best thing about our prayer is that it is a direct conversation with God. There's no need for us to call on the saints or somebody who's gone on to heaven before us to pray on our behalf. You don't come to Brother Justin during the week and say, hey, I've got something going on, I need you to pray, and I'm going to sit at home and wait and see what happens. It's fine for us to ask others to pray for us, but no, or pray with us. You're not asking anybody to pray for you. Prayer is direct communication between you and God. So I believe most of us here at least would be able to agree one of the main purposes of prayer is communication with God in heaven. Another purpose of prayer is to grow us in our faith that we can be more like God. You've, we've heard the phrase, you are what you surround yourself with. The biblical perspective is written in Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. You see, the closer we walk with God, the better our fruit the healthier our leaves, the more prosperous that we might see ourselves because we are walking with God, attempting to mirror him and become like Christ. This is called sanctification. It's how we become more like Jesus himself. The more time we spend in prayer or communicating with God, the more like him we should become. I heard a preacher say a long time ago, 
if God has an accent, I hope I spend enough time talking with him, I recognize it in heaven. I, I like to convince myself that it's going to be a Western Kentucky accent, but for each their own, right? Prayer does not change God. Prayer changes us. God is never changing, while we, on the other hand, should attempt to be ever-changing to be more like him through that sanctification process. The final purpose of prayer we'll look at today is that it's a great tool to share our faith. The obvious example would be, you know, with something for us to teach our children, like the story I was using at the beginning here. I love when I get to hear little kids pray. I absolutely love it. It is so encouraging. It's, it's amazing to see the way that their brains are already processing all of it. Lila and her, her cousin Porter, that's my brother's oldest, they love to pray, and it's, it's, it's wonderful. We got together with them um, yesterday, actually, and we were about to eat breakfast, and Porter said, I want to pray, so he prayed. I get ready to eat, and Lila said, no, I want to pray, so we all stop and we let Lila pray. And then Porter goes, well, it's my turn to pray, so Porter prays. Then Lila wanted to pray one more time. The food's cold, but you're never going to stop them, right? It's so encouraging, it's so satisfying, and it's, it's just a wonderful example that even the next generation, they too can develop this relationship with Jesus. We can help them develop these skills before they have that personal relationship yet. But it's also great whenever you see one that's not your kid and you know somebody else is investing in their children. And I can see the, the fruit of how others here have invested in my children. But it's not just with our children. We do, there's, a, there's a great example of it, and I'm going to take a step over here to the side and say I'm about to reference a secular song, but that does not mean I condone it. Uh, Rodney Atkins' song, uh, song, Watching You, right? We see that. The little boy uses a bad word, says he heard it from his dad. His dad feels guilty. He goes to the barn. He prays. Later that night, the little boy gets out of bed, gets on his knees, says he talks to God like he's talking to a friend. And I said, son, where'd you learn to pray like that? He says, I've been watching you, dad. Ain't that cool? Secular song, still something that is a little bit of a gut punch to me whenever I hear that song. Uh, things we can teach our children through prayer. Number one, God is important, right? That's why we're praying. Number two, he's something, he is the one that we turn to in the good and in the bad. You don't want your children just to see you go to God when things are great. They need to see you go to God when things are bad. Conversely, you don't want your children just to see you go to God when things are bad, but when things are good, you're taking credit. You go to him in the good and the bad. The third is you can show them the practical steps of this is how we talk to God. This is how we have that effective communication. Prayer can be used to share our faith outside of the home as well. Uh, undoubtedly, someone here is going to go out to eat after the service. That's just something that happens at every church. Not everybody's going home right away. Some people are going to go to a restaurant. Uh, when I was a kid, I can remember probably two or three times we were eating at a restaurant. One of them was Bluegrass Restaurant down there out in Ballard County. And my dad went to pay, and they said, your meal's been covered. Brother Rodney, there was a note that was left that said, great to see your family pray. And they had paid for the meal. My dad, to this day, you can't get embarrassed if you go out to eat with him because he's always going to talk to somebody. And people have finished praying. He stands up, walks across the restaurant, and say, just want you to know how encouraging it was to see your family pray. Even if it's just one person, great to see you pray. Love seeing that you're praying publicly. We need to consider our witness in public through prayer. Brother Rodney Stinson Jr., um, preaching at Trace Creek, he challenged his congregation several months ago. He said, whenever we go out to restaurants today and moving forward, I want us all to use those as opportunities to share our witness through prayer. 
because our waiter and waitress, they're going to bring us our food if we're at a sit-down restaurant. They're going to bring us our food, and they're going to say, does everything look good? Is there anything else I can do for you? And my challenge for you here at the church at Trace Creek, and I would say we can have the same challenge here at Rosebauer, is to say, everything looks great, but hey, we're about to bless our food. Is there anything we can pray about for you? Such a short, simple, non-intrusive way to let somebody know, you're str- I'm, I'm here in my faith. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm going to pray, and I also want to have this opportunity as a witness for you. I have yet to hear of anybody who's had a bad experience with that yet. I've had several people tell me, well, I've had them tell me, no, I'm okay, no, thank you. But I've yet to have somebody talk about how the waiter or waitress got ugly with them in the way that they were conducting themselves. It's a wonderful, wonderful way for us to try to show our witness through prayer. There's also opportunities outside of the children, outside of at restaurants. One of the most impactful moments I ever had in my career as a dentist is... We were working, uh, my twin brother and I were working at the University of Kentucky's dental clinic in, in Marshall County. And uh, Tim had a patient who came in, they had um, pharyngeal cancer. So before the patients get head or neck radiation to treat that cancer, they have to go see a dentist to get dental consultation. And I'll tell you, it is a hard appointment. It is a very, very hard appointment to do. Uh, we went through a residency where we got some training on it. So we've, we've done a whole lot of these cases um, through UK and then out here for some hospitals. and. You just tell this patient everything bad that's about to happen to them. You're not going to be able to taste. You won't be able to swallow. Your mouth's going to feel like it's got a sunburn. You're going to get infections. And it's just this long, long list that's so difficult. But Tim, Tim is a true professional, and he has done this so many times now. It's almost like he's got a script that he was working his way through. And he, I could hear him in the operatory over here, and I was in our, our little private office broom closet over here on the corner. And I could just hear the whole conversation. And I heard him get to the last point and then say, do you have any questions? And I, typically that's where it's over. You said everything, you hand him some literature and you're done. And I heard the silence, which we typically hear in those, those instances because the patients are, they're sad, they're depressed. You might hear some crying from who was with them. But I heard Tim take a turn that I haven't heard him do typically, but he does it every time now and he's, he's got me doing it as well. For HIPAA, we're going to call this lady Mrs. Jones. He said, Mrs. Jones you feel like everything was taken from you today. And I know this was not an easy conversation. Cancer is a nasty, nasty disease. It, it robs us of so much, and you feel like you don't have any choice. But today, you have one choice. I get to give you one choice. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to let you pick if I get to do that with you or when you leave. But it's going to happen. And she said, I'd love to pray with you. Tim went into a prayer, doesn't know anything about this lady other than she's got cancer and her medical history from, from looking through that. And he prayed, God, be with her and her family, be with the doctors, be with her outcome. Lord, I don't know if she's a believer, but if she's not, let today be the day. Because God, you are a great physician. God, you offer peace, and this woman might not have any. God, you can do so much that if she doesn't know, I'd love the opportunity to share with her. We found out she was a believer. She appreciated that prayer, and I can tell you definitively, she doesn't remember a word of that appointment that he said until that very, very end. We can use prayer as a great, great witness opportunity. We just have to look for those opportunities. So those are three examples of purpose of prayer. Communicate with God, grow our faith to become more like Christ, and to share our faith. Next, we'll look at practice. I've read a few different verses, and I've referenced a few others so far, but this is actually where we're going to be kind of camping out for a minute. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 18, 1 Kings chapter 18, 
Here in 1 Kings, we're going to see the prophet Elijah. He has gone up to the Mount Carmel. He's doing a showdown with all the prophets of Baal. He has challenged them to come up, and he said, hey, I'm tired of you guys serving false gods. I'm serving the one true God. We're going to have this moment where we're going to determine who the true living God is. So they've got these sacrifices set up here on the mountain. And the prophets of Baal have been going all day, praying, chanting, singing, cutting themselves, doing whatever they can to get Baal to send fire down from heaven to consume their sacrifice. But nothing's happening, and Elijah has not been giving them an easy time about it. But here, we're about to see that this is going to be God's turn. Elijah has come, they're in the middle of a drought, and he said, I want you to get water and completely douse this sacrifice that's going to be mine for God. Douse it. Dig a trench around it. Fill it with water. So they've used this, this rare commodity because they're in the drought. They put water all over it. And here we get to see Elijah offer his prayer to God to show who the one true God is. So if you would, would you please stand with me? We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 18, looking at verses 36 through 45. 36 through 45. The word of God says, At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the soil and licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Then Elijah commanded to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them, and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go, eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant, and he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, Go back. The seventh time the servant reported, A cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, Go and tell Ahab, Hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came to Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today and the blessings you give us. And Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to gather in your house, Lord, to dive into your word. God, I thank you for the message that you have shared with me. And Lord, I pray that I just step aside and God, you shine through in my words. Lord, let it be your words. God, I thank you for the service we've had so far. God, I thank you for all that are here. And God, I ask you to be with us throughout the remainder of this service so that you can be glorified. In your son's name we pray. Amen. I heard this passage preached four months ago, almost to the day, and I remember it because I was listening to it on my way home from my last day of work at the clinic in Marshall County. A sermon was preached by Dr. Tony Evans. He is the senior pastor at Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, Texas, and this sermon was part of his series on Elijah. A particular sermon was titled, Praying and Waiting for God's Timing, and this is a wonderful sermon. If you guys get the opportunity, jump on YouTube, Tony Evans, Praying and Waiting on God's Timing. It's a terrific sermon. He does a wonderful job. It spoke to me in a tremendous and powerful way, and I hope it would do the same for you. 
uh, have no problem telling you part of what I'm going to say here towards the end. I'm going to be borrowing some from that sermon. I don't want anybody to listen to it and say, wow, Andrew stole that word for word. I'm, I'm borrowing it. I'm a dentist by trade. And if you ever came to my office, it's not really a dental office. We call it a dental practice. I've talked to dentists who've been working for 50 years, and I'll tell them, why have you guys not retired? And they say, well, practice makes perfect, and whenever I finally perfect it, I think I'll retire. Practice just means continually, continually working to improve. So when we talk about practicing our prayer, that's what we're going to be looking at. How do we continually work to improve in our prayer? You have the phrase, practice makes perfect. Well, that's just not true. God makes perfect, right? God makes perfect, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't practice. In the passage we read, we see two prayers by Elijah. First thing this shows us, communication with God is not a one-time thing. Two prayers in just a short amount of scripture. Communication with God is not a one-time thing. Romans 12, verse 12 says, Rejoice in the Lord, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Billy Graham, who's often referred to as the champion of prayer, was once asked if he could do anything in his life again, what would it be? And he said, I would pray more. I would pray more. The first step in practicing prayer is to do it continually, to continue in our prayer. I, I know that in my life it's easy to have a routine where I pray in the morning before I go to work, pray before my meals, pray before bed, but the truth is we should be finding other opportunities for prayer. You're in the car, you see an ambulance driving by, pray for the ambulance, whatever that situation may be. You have something that's said or you hear something and it, it tugs on your heart, pray for that situation. We should be continual in our prayer, always looking for opportunities that we could be praying. In the first prayer, we see Elijah reference God's sovereignty. He says, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's showing this is a God of the ages. This is not a God of right now. This is a God of the ages. He says, you are God of Israel, and I am your servant. He's saying, this is a God of the nations. This is not just the God of me, Elijah. The power that is about to be displayed after I finish this prayer is not from me, a mere servant, but this is from the almighty, all-powerful God. Then Elijah says, answer me, Lord, answer me. Elijah, in some ways, we look at this, it's almost as if he's commanding or instructing God to act. But what he's doing is he's saying to God, Lord, you promised earlier on before we got to this part in 1 Kings, you made a promise. You said you were going to bring this drought, but if we will turn from our wicked ways, you'll make it rain again. Well, God, I'm asking you to act because when the people see this fire come from heaven, I'm telling you, they're going to turn. He's saying to God, God, I want you to fulfill the promise that you have already given. He's calling on God to act. But at the same time, boy, that seems like a bold move, right? To tell God that you need him to do something. What we see is Elijah is praying an active prayer. This is not a passive one. Church, too often we pray passively. We don't look for ways that we can pray actively. There's two phrases we say in the church all the time as Christians. Lord, let your will be done, or God, do as you deem fit. Great phrases, they really are, because we want God's will to be done. We want him to do as he deems fit. But sometimes we use those phrases as a crutch for us to lean on, because we're afraid if we ask too specifically and it's not fulfilled that we did something wrong, or that it's going to make us look like bad Christians, or that it's going to make it look like God couldn't do what we asked him to do. If you were to have a family member who was sick or dying, are you going to pray for God's will, or are you going to pray that they be healed? Second Samuel chapter 12 King David has a baby with Bathsheba through an affair. The baby becomes sick. David 
fasts, he lays on the ground, he weeps, and he prays for healing for his child. Healing does not come for the baby, and we see David get up, clean himself up, and return on with his life. Just because the outcome is not what we prayed for does not mean that God did not hear us, that we did something wrong, or that our prayer needed to change. See, God answers prayer in three ways. Yes, no, and wait. I remember as a, when I was younger, we had a, a little thing where before the kids would go to children's church, they would come down, and my dad would do a, a small little devotional with the kids, and he said one time, God answers prayers three ways. Yes, no, and a little girl goes, maybe. And a little boy said, my mom just means no when she says maybe. <laughs> well, praise God, he doesn't give us a maybe. We get yes, no, and wait. See, sometimes we are praying for a yes with the understanding it could be a no, but God's trying to show us you're going to go through a period of wait. Just because your prayer has not been answered, whether it's one way or the other, doesn't mean we're supposed to stop. We are called to pray continually. That's the practice of prayer, to stay in prayer, fervent prayer, devoted prayer to God the Father. Years ago, I was privileged to hear Brother Ronnie Sibbles preach a revival at Ohio Valley Baptist Church right across the river there in Ledbetter. And he shared the story of a woman who came to him and said she had a son who had turned away from God. She said he came to an understanding of who God is. He had a personal relationship with Jesus, but he went off to college, and he's turned from God. He's not in the church. And she said, Brother Ronnie, I need you to pray with me for my son. And he said, okay, let's go our separate ways this week. I want you to pray all week long, and I'm going to pray all week long. And when I see you on Sunday, we'll see how it's going. She said, okay. After the service the next Sunday, he met up with her in the foyer and said, well, how's your son doing? And she said, oh, Brother Ronnie, it's awful. It's awful. His girlfriend broke up with him. His friends have nothing to do with him. He won't eat. He can't sleep. He said he feels like he's got no peace. He said, okay, well, come back to my office, and we're going to pray. I want you to pray the exact same prayer you prayed all week, and then I'm going to pray the exact same prayer I prayed all week. So the woman went in her prayer and said, you know, God, I, we trust you, we love you. My son came to know you. We're asking that he comes back. We're, we're asking that you would do something powerful, that he would come back to know you. And Brother Ronnie said, my turn. And if you guys know Brother Ronnie Civils, he's an evangelist, so I, I imagine that the room was shaken. He said, God, we know that you're a powerful God. God, you can do mighty things. And Lord, I hear about this, this young man who's become a wayward son. So God, I'm praying for him. God, I pray if he is in an unhealthy, unbiblical relationship, that God, you would find a way to end that personal relationship. God, if he's got friends who are bad influences in his life, you find ways to get them out of his life. God, take the taste of food from his mouth so that he realizes the only true nourishment he can have is in your word. God, take his peace. Don't let him have peace. God, I pray he can't sleep. I pray he has more hours in his day to recognize his need for you. And Lord, when you take his peace, I pray that he remembers where his peace can truly be found. And the woman looked and said, all these things he's prayed for, that you were praying for, is what's happening to my son. And he said, let's pray for another week and see what God can do, right? Pray specifically, pray that God would be active and be active in your prayer. In the second prayer, the Bible describes the posture of Elijah while he's on the mountain. Many people, and myself included, we read this, it says Elijah put his head between his knees and laid down before the Lord. And I always thought of this kind of like that yoga pose where you're laying on the ground and your arms are in front of you. I think it's called child's pose, but one of the things that Dr. Evans pointed out in that sermon I refer to is the true posture that we're seeing here is Elijah is somewhat squatted down with his arms here praying to God, and he's in the position of labor. This is the position women at that time would have been giving birth. 
Elijah is going to God in the position of labor. He's saying, Lord, I'm about to pray, and it's going to be some work. I can tell you I was thankfully able to be at the birth of both of my children. My wife is a superhero. There's no, no way around it. She's a superhero. The, the process of labor was scary for me. You know, it was, it's hours at a time. There's ladies out there screaming. They're sweating. There's, there's all sorts of work that goes into it. But at the end, you get to hold that baby because something came of that work. And that's what we see here. Elijah is saying, I'm going to go to God in a position to do work. I'm not climbing up to the top of this mountain and looking up to God with my eyes to heaven saying, Lord, I really need you to fulfill your promise. He's not sitting on a couch in the comfort of his home saying, God, if it's not too much of an inconvenience, your will be done. Elijah is coming here and he's saying, it is time for me to come into a posture of work. I'm going to activate my core. I'm going to grow from within my soul and I'm going to call on God to come do a mighty, mighty deed. He's saying that in a land that has had drought for years now, Lord, I already told Ahab, get ready to go, because I can hear the rain. And God, I know you can bring it, because I can already hear it. We see Elijah labor in prayer. But another thing to point out is how many times Elijah sent his servant. He sent him seven times. You see, Elijah would come, he would labor for a while in his prayer, and then he'd look up to his servant and say, go look and see what you can see. His servant would come back, there's nothing there. Elijah would go back to laboring to see if he could get something to happen. How many people have heard of Braxton Hicks contractions? Right. False labor is what that's also called. See, there are times in our lives where we really think we have got a strong prayer life. We think, Lord, I pray five times a day, six times a day. I, oh, I start my day with an hour of prayer. And we think, oh, I've got this strong prayer life. But there's a strong possibility if you are not staying renewed with God that that prayer life can be false labor. Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells a parable of a Pharisee who came into the temple, praises himself, brags all over himself. He says, Lord, I've been fasting and tithing, and I'm praying here before you because God, look, basically, look at all these great things I am of this great Christian. And meanwhile, over to the side, there was a tax collector just beating his chest, won't even turn his eyes to heaven, saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, a sinner. Two men who are laboring, and I can tell you, one of them it was true labor, one of them it was false labor. Church, it's important for us to pay attention in our prayer life to see, are we laboring, and is that labor true labor, or is it false labor? Elijah is not the only person we see in Scripture to labor in prayer. Luke 22, verses 42 to 44, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives to pray before his crucifixion. He said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. The Bible says, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. See, there are plenty of people who read that, and they say, this is just very flowery language. Jesus wasn't actually sweating blood. It's just a reference to, like, if you were to have a head wound, it would bleed a lot. He was sweating profusely. Myself, I don't think so. Luke was a physician. Luke's gospel is the only gospel that includes this, this detail. There's a medical condition called hematohydrosis. It's very, very rare instances where people who are in severe exertion and anguish sweat blood. It's typically people who are in war or fleeing a war-torn country or have severe physical and psychological distress. I don't know a single doctor in their chart notes who writes fancy details. They write down only what was important. 
I truly believe Jesus was here. I think he was sweating blood. I think he was in such earnest prayer, his body, his physical body was breaking down. We know that for a fact because the angels had to come and tend to him. I think that is how hard our Savior was praying. And I've shared that before and had people say to me, well, Andrew, he was facing the cross. Well, church, we've got family members, friends, and neighbors who are facing an eternal hell. It's time for us to earnestly labor in prayer. We've got a board out front filled with initials of people. We're praying, come to know Jesus. And praise God, hallelujah, we have seen some of those come to fulfillment. But there's plenty more names on that list, and there's plenty more who could be written on there. It is time for us to labor in prayer that others would come to know him. So we can practice our prayer. We can pray constantly, we can pray actively, and we can pray specifically. The final point I'm going to make is about the power of prayer. It's likely that everybody in this room can tell story after story after story about something in your life where you have seen the power of prayer, where you had somebody who had cancer or was sick, and you prayed, and God came and healed them. Maybe it was a physical need that you needed. You know, God, I need you to provide a job. Lord, I need gas for my car. Maybe it was food. And God found, you found a way that God provided for you. He answered that prayer. Maybe it was a relationship you had in your life that you needed God to restore. Maybe it was that baby who you were praying for so, so fervently, and God was able to bless you with that child. The outcomes of prayer is not what I want to address when I talk about the power of prayer. What I want to note is what prayer affords us as believers. See, the power of prayer is that it allows us, the broken sinner, to communicate with a perfect and holy God in heaven. Prayer allows us to call on God for his help and for what he has done for us and to share our thoughts and our hearts with him. Prayer can happen anywhere, at any time, by anyone. And how powerful is that? The Steele's Gospel Group, yes, I always have a Southern Gospel reference in my sermons. Y'all thought I was going to get out without it today. The Steele's Gospel Group has a song called A Hundred Different Altars, where they discuss there's multiple people all over the world who all have these different hardships, and they're all coming to God in prayer. And the song says, A hundred different people at a hundred different altars, but one loving God of mercy meets them all. The power of prayer is that God comes to us. Well, as soon as we turn to him in prayer, he's there. It doesn't matter where we are, what we're doing, how close our relationship with, uh, with him is at that time. God is there when we go to him in prayer. And he might not answer that prayer in a way that we thought he should, but he's there to answer, even if it's just, here I am. The power of prayer is that it unites us with God. Earlier I said the three most common topics discussed in church literature from that study in the 2000s were sin, prayer, and Jesus. The most powerful prayer that we can pray is called the sinner's prayer. It's that one where you admit that you're a sinner, you state your belief in Jesus, that he died on that cross, that he was buried, and that he rose three days later, and he did all that for you, that you confess your sins to God, and then you ask Jesus into your heart. That's the most powerful prayer we can offer because it takes us from lost to found. It takes us from hell to heaven. It takes us from separated to united. If you have had that moment in your life, praise God for it. I would ask that the other words that I've shared today would be those that would be convicting for you to be praying for those who have not had that moment. That your prayer life with God would grow. That you would find ways to use your prayers to minister. That you would find ways to use your prayers as a witness. 
But if you are here today or if you are watching online and you have not had that moment where you came to God and said, Lord, I am a sinner. Lord, I believe in you and what your son did on that cross. God, I'm here to confess my sins. My prayer is that today would be the day that you can take that. I pray that we all recognize the purpose of prayer. I pray that we would all put that prayer into practice. And I pray that we would share about the power of prayer. Doing so, I will close us in prayer this morning. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the blessings you give us. God, I thank you for this opportunity that I was given to be able to come and share the word that you have laid on my heart. God, I pray that in some way I've been able to even give just a fraction of what you have given to me through this study. God, I pray for Rosebauer, Lord, for all the churches that are around us, but this church specifically. Lord, I pray that we continue to be ever seeking to be pleasing to you in our thoughts and in our action. Lord, I pray for our Who's Your One campaign. God, there's so many initials that are out there on that front board, but God, there are so many more that could be written down. Lord, I pray for each and every one who is up there, Lord, that you would find opportunities for us here in the church to share who you are and what you have done with this lost and dying world. God, I pray that you be with our pastor while he's away. Lord, be with him as he comes back to get back into your pulpit. Lord, to get right back into the ministry that you've called him to. Lord, I thank you for the blessings you've given us. And God, I pray that you be with us as we go our separate ways today. It's in your holy name that I pray. Amen.
closing announcements this morning. Um, first of all, while Brother Justin is away, we've said this every week, but if you need anything while he's out, feel free to contact one of the elders. Their phone numbers are listed on the little purple pieces of paper there, or little bulletins. You can find that up front. Um, feel free to reach out to either uh, or any of them. They'll help you however they can. Um, this Wednesday, or all the Wednesdays through August 16th, we are meeting at 630 the adult Bible study is going to be held in room 109 over there in the Sunday school room. We are doing archery for the kids, and then we have the Cubbies Choir and Crafts, and that's every Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. through August 16th. Uh, for the youth, the youth are going to be leaving the church on this coming Wednesday, Wednesday, July 26th at 6 p.m. They're leaving the church at 6 p.m. They're going to be going to Elijah and Amanda Artiburn's house um, for a time together. Uh, and then today we have a baby sprinkle for Megan and Ryan Mathis. Uh, I heard some people talking out in the hall. This is like a baby shower. This is not like a baby baptism. So a baby sprinkle is like the baby shower. Um, it's going to be over in the fellowship hall today, 2 to 4. Uh, and then the last thing, we have kids camp coming up. Uh, we have had several people who have expressed interest in sending their kids to kids camp, um, but they have also expressed some concerns financially. Uh, unable to either pay for one of the, like they can pay for one kid, but not both of the kids or, or anything like that. So what we're asking is if anybody here feels called or led to kind of sponsor a kid or, or, or contribute to that, please see one of the elders. Um, pray about it if you're not thinking about it right now and, and see if, if God leads you in a way that just almost like a scholarship of sorts. Um, we saw what great things happen with our, our youth going to youth camp and I would expect something, you know, God moves in, in powerful ways. So we're, we're hoping the same opportunity can be afforded at kids camp. Hate for somebody to miss out just because they couldn't afford the, the cost there. Uh, if there's nothing else, um, we will close this morning in prayer. Barry Herndon, do you mind dismissing us this morning, please? <laughs>